Thank you for supporting the media outreach of New Covenant Christian Ministries. Through the powerful preaching and teaching of Pastor Bill and Dr. Deanne Johnson, family relations are being restored. The wayward are returning to God. And together, we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Join us now for a message that will strengthen you in your faith and encourage you to be all that God has designed you to be. Open your Bibles, please, to John's Gospel, chapter number 16. We'll start there. Father, thank you for your word today. The entrance of that word, your word. Wow. It gives us light. So cause the illumination to come today as we study on the ministry of the Holy Spirit, his person, his purpose, and his favor. The Holy Spirit, you authored this book. So teach us about your person, your purpose, and your power. And we trust you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Last week we began and we found out who the Holy Spirit is not. We found out that he's not an it, he's not a feeling, and he's not something. He's not it, he's actually a person. He's not a feeling, although you can feel him. And he is not something, something told me. It's the Holy Spirit on the inside. Who is he? He is the third person of the Trinity. He is God. He's God. We found out that he is the comforter. He is the, um, the word is the parakletos. He's one that's called alongside to give aid and to help us. Um, and he's, a, he's actually the spirit of truth. If you're going to know some truth, it's him that's going to teach you. Amen. He is the spirit of truth. Today we want to look at his purpose. So we want to find out what does he do? What because we're talking about his ministry. What does he do? Um, and one of the things I want to in- let us know is this. The Holy Spirit didn't just begin in our lives when we got saved. First thing he does is he convicts the world. And so we see this in John's gospel, chapter number 16. And uh, we want to start at verse number Eight. Jesus speaking, it says, and when he has come, he will, here it is, convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And so we see here that one of the things that the Holy Spirit is going to do is to convict the world. To convict means to expose to facts, to prove or show someone to be guilty. Now, let me just say this. We have to allow this to happen. If there is no conviction, there is no convincing. What do you mean? We are so concerned about people feeling good and being encouraged that we don't allow them the 
listen to this, to go through the process of conviction. There has to be a conviction for the whole, from the Holy Spirit. It says here that the first thing he's going to do is convict us, and it lists three things of sin, righteousness, of judgment. He says he's going to convict us of sin. And sin is our wrongdoing, uh, our acts that are contrary to God's will. Uh, he's going to convict us, and really he's dealing with this. He said, sin, notice he said, because this is the issue, because you didn't believe. The main thing that the Holy Spirit is going to do in the world, in the life of an unbeliever, is to convict them of the sin of rejecting Jesus. The sin of, uh, of rejection of Christ. Understand something. John 3, we often read John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But if you skip down to John 3, 18, it says he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the only begotten son of God. So please understand that the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of sin because the main thing is this, not, it's not the, every sin that they've committed, it's the sin of what you're going to do about Jesus. Because in the end, he that has the son has life period. He that does not have the Son does not have life. So he's convicted of sin. It says, secondly, that he's convicting them of righteousness. Please know this, that when you're talking about convicting them of righteousness, the world must be convinced and convicted of righteousness. And, and what we have to understand is that there is a standard that God Almighty has. And this is the thing. You and I cannot be righteous no matter how good we are. So there's nothing that you and I can do to be righteous. And this is the conviction. Jesus came as the personification of righteousness. And the world, when they reject him, they reject God's way of being right. Because he is the one that provides righteousness for us. This is how he did it. He took upon himself our sin. But the thing is, he lived a perfect life. So he was not sinful. He was sinless. He perfectly pleased God. He's the only one that could say, I always do what my father tells me. I can't say that. Don't look at me. You can't either. So he convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, because Christ alone is the standard of righteousness, and Christ alone provides righteousness. Then he said he convicts them of judgment. Judgment, notice he said, judgment is a decision for or against. Why? Because the ruler of this world has been judged. 
The death and resurrection of Jesus was the condemnation of Satan. Do you remember over in the garden um, when the fall came, he said, this is what's going to happen. He gave to, um, he, he told Adam what's going to happen to him. He told Eve, what's, God told Adam what's going to happen to him. Eve, what's going to happen to her. But he told the serpent what's going to happen to him. He began to say, when he comes, he's going to bruise your head. <laughs> he's going to take you out. Uh, and you will bruise his heel. And what you have to understand is Satan has been judged already and he's been judged guilty. Guilty. He's, you can look at it like this. He is like a prisoner that is in prison waiting for his punishment, waiting for his execution, waiting for that. And so he has already been judged. Now, this is the thing that we kind of get thrown off by. He is active in the world today, but he is a defeated foe. The judgment has already been rendered against Satan. And so this is the thing. He's convicting the world because he's making righteousness available. But the issue is, if you, if you reject Jesus, that's the sin. And righteousness is not available to you separate and apart from Jesus. And so what's going to happen is you're going to fall into the same judgment that the enemy will fall into. Oh, you get it? And so he is convicting the world of sin, righteousness, of judgment. And so we see that's one of the things that he does. And again, I don't want us, and we have to be, become aware, if a person is under conviction, let the Holy Spirit do what he needs to do. You need to feel guilty. Amen. Well, Pastor, I don't want, I don't want anybody to feel guilty. Let them feel guilty. That's the, the only way we can be saved is that we become guilty about our sin. Uh, um, and so we have to, get, have to realize, wait a minute, there is no way. I'll tell you my own story. What happened to me was this. I, was, I had grown up in the church, and so I knew, you know, uh, some scripture, but I did not have a personal relationship with God. One day, it, I was talking to a friend of mine, and these words came out of my mouth. And I was a teenager. I said, man... I said, if I died, I'd go to hell because I knew me. I knew what I'd done. I knew how I was. Are you, you did too. So, so, and I realized, I, so that was the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, you, you're going to go to hell the way you're living right now. If you were to die right now, I, I said, oh, God. God, through his Holy Spirit, thank you, God, brought conviction. And listen to this. The next day, without my friend having talked to the pastor, the pastor called me and said, I want to meet with you. And it was a Sunday that I had this conversation with my friend. The pastor called on Monday. And Tuesday, I had the meeting with the pastor, and he led me to Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So when we get to that place of conviction, our hearts are ready to receive the Savior. So we see that he convicts the world. Here's another thing that he does. The Holy Spirit makes spiritual things understandable. 
He makes spiritual things understandable. Uh, 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 Dr. David Jeremiah said this. He said he, he was saying that he, he, he read about a man who carried a tiny little folder in his Bible case. Inside the folder was a microfilm uh, reproduction of the entire Bible. He said all the words were printed on this little space, all 773,746 words in the Bible was printed on that one square inch. But the man couldn't make out one word of it. Holding it up to the light or putting it against a dark background wouldn't help. Only with the aid of a high-powered microscope could it be read. This need for an outside source of help to read a microfilm reproduction of the scriptures, he said, reminds him of the difficulty of people outside of Christ trying to understand the Bible. And so we have to, the Holy Spirit is the one who makes spiritual things understandable. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 2 and verse number 14. 1 Corinthians 2 and 14, Paul said, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Notice, who, who does it? The natural man. So listen to me. So it's this understanding of the things of the Spirit does not come by academic knowledge. It, it says, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So we have to understand, you and I, in and of ourselves, do not have the ability to understand spiritual things. That's why when a per, you know, you hear people say, you know, I pick up the Bible and I, I just don't understand it. First of all, I ask them this. I say, have you read it? Because you can't pick up anything and understand it. You have to open it up and read it. But then from a, from just a perspective of insight, you cannot in and of yourself, understand the things of the Spirit. They are spiritually discerned. There are some things that will not make sense to your natural mind. I, I know, I, I know that, you know, we, we have a bright congregation. I know, I know. You guys are brilliant. I've talked to you. I know. And, but what's amazing is this. You also know, and I've talked to you, you know your brilliance does not give you the ability to understand spiritual things. And that's what I love about you because you're still saying, God, I'm hungry for you. I, I still humble myself as a child because I need you to show me this. You know what I'm talking about? No matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, God, I need you to show me this. I need you to help me to understand. Notice if you look further down, uh, further up in 1 Corinthians chapter number uh, 2, look at verse number 12. Paul wrote, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us. That means the Christians who have the spirit of God living on the inside of us, we have an inward interpreter of the scripture. 
the Holy Spirit, you do realize that this book was not authored by human hands, so to speak. He used man, but he, man was breathed upon by the Spirit of God. And so he authored the book and he knows the book. So what I'm getting at is this. Please don't think that you can know this book. You can understand spiritual things separate and apart from the Spirit of God. I I, I read this. Uh, Dr. Bill Bright, founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, told about a man uh, about whom he had been witnessing. It says one of the man's problems with the Christian faith said he tried again. He's one of those, I'm going to read the Bible, I'm going to read the Bible. But he said, I can't make any sense of it. Then the man later received Christ. And then he said, it's like everything opened up to him. That's how it is. Because the Holy Spirit will allow you insight. Have you ever had this happen? Have you ever read a scripture? You've read it before. You've read And then you go, I've never seen that. And it went way that if you've kind of had that experience. What happens is that's the Holy Spirit giving illumination to the truth. He begins to show you. Jesus said it like this. He's going to take that which is of mine and he's going to show it unto you. I want to encourage you to to get involved in allowing the Holy Spirit to show you the things of the Spirit, to show you things. But now let me tell you, if you're never in the book, if you never open the Word, He has nothing to show you. And so when you get in the Word, what will end up happening is this, your understanding, you'll begin getting insight. Amazing things will happen. This book is alive. <laughs> it's a lie. And I'm telling you, it, once it gets in you, all of a sudden you'll have a thought, uh, stuff that you, you hadn't read. It's been, a, been months or weeks since you read it. All of a sudden that thought will come floating up to your mind. That's the Holy Spirit begin to bring illumination. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. That scripture will come and you'll be, nobody understand it but you. You're having your little private praise party. You, you had your little, you had about a one minute church service. Ooh, that was good right there, don't you? Isn't that good? You know, and that's how it is, don't you know? <laughs> so, so we have to understand this, that the Holy Spirit convicts the world, but also he, uh, he, he makes spiritual things understandable. Um, what I love about it, he is the one... Um, you know, the, the same scripture talks about, I have not seen, ears not heard, neither is into the, into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. The next verse says, but God has revealed them. He has revealed them in verse number 10. How has he revealed them? To reveal means he takes the cover off. Everything is covered, but he takes the cover off. And so thank God for his giving us the ability to understand spiritual things. Here's the last thing I want to do with today. Uh, by no means we can cover all this in, in, a, in a, uh, one setting. But the Spirit, listen to this, also gives assurance of salvation. He gives assurance of salvation. Now, 
Uh, what I want us to do, I want us to look at a couple of passages. Go to Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. And verse number 14. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 14. Um, how does he give you this assurance? The first thing he's going to give you assurance of your salvation, he's going to let you know that you're in God's family. When you look at Romans 8, 14, it says this, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You see that? And then it says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Notice verse 16, the Spirit. There it is again. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So notice that he's given assurance of this salvation because he's the one that, notice, he says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You're in God's family. You're, come on, say, I'm in God's family. He calls you a son. He calls you a son. And also, it's the Spirit of God that's allowing you to call him Father. Notice he says, uh, Abba, Father, Abba, Pater. It means that this is a real int uh, intimate type of greeting. Papa, Papa, Daddy, Daddy. He's the Spirit of God is enabling you to call God Father. Please understand, you and I are on this side of the cross. We are post-resurrection and all this. But go back to a Jew hearing this, calling God Father. The Spirit is the one who will allow you to call him Father. He's your source. And also, it's the Spirit that's going to bear witness. He's going to testify on the inside of you that you're his children. I, have to, I, have to, I love it because you are God by creation. You're God's by redemption. But in redemption, notice this. You are God through God's through adoption because he's adopted you into the family and you are God by birth because to get into the kingdom, you must be born again. Glory to God. Glory to God. Man, that's good stuff right there. When you're talking about it, come on, say, I belong to God. So all I'm saying is this, if you're sitting in here today and you wonder if I, well, you know, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I'm saved. I'm wondering if I'm saved, you know, because what happens is this, especially if you, if, if you are young in the faith, and sometimes you can been around a while and just heard some bad teaching. Um, we base our relationship with God based upon our performance. What am I saying? If we sin, we act as if that kicks us out the family. When you sin, you have broken fellowship, but you've not broken relationship. Are you understanding? 
Ooh, 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 let's get into it. Do me a favor, because this is, this, is this is what I've been wanting to get here. Ephesians chapter number one. Ephesians chapter number one. Look at this. Ephesians chapter number one. And I want to start looking right at verse number 13, because that's a big question. Dr. D was, we were talking about this teaching and I know she was like, honey, there are a lot. Of, we got to get to this place where people are sure about their salvation. They know you don't have to worry and concern yourself about if I'm saved or what's going on with me. Um, notice, notice in Ephesians chapter one, And verse number 13, it says, in him, speaking of Jesus, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Let's kind of unpack that. So when you came to Christ, you and I had to hear the word of God, right? When you hear the word of God, faith comes by hearing. But when you, and when you When faith comes, you are allowed to put your faith in Jesus Christ to trust him to save you, meaning to rescue you from your sin, from our sin. What happens is this. When you heard this word, the gospel of your salvation, you received Christ, immediately you were sealed. Glory to God. Now, now, now. This sealed simply means it's, it's the picture of a signet ring being put in hot wax. In, in fact, when you look at it, it just simply means a stamp. So when you were born again, God Almighty stamped you. Now, Please know this, that stamp is placed there by God. The devil can't remove it. Hallelujah. No, listen to this. You can't remove it. And God will not remove it. But why? Because God made a covenant, wait a minute, with himself. He made a covenant with his son. This whole plan of redemption. Johnson, calm down and teach it. Just calm down and teach it. Oh, man, 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 man. This whole plan of redemption is God Almighty saying, I make a covenant with you. I am letting you know that I'm in it for eternity, not just the long haul. I'm in it for eternity. I'm making an eternal covenant to make sure that you know I'm good on what I said. And so wait a minute, when you're talking about the seal, Listen to this. We were sealed with, not wax. That's it. 
We were sealed with, the text says, the Holy Spirit of promise. So that means God himself said, okay, Alfie is mine. What's the seal? The Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the seal. Wait a minute. I, I got excited about this. Because that seal means this. The seal means security. A seal was used to secure areas, or you can look at it like this. When they would put a, any type of a, a message and they would write it down and they would put, the king would send it out, he would put his signet ring on it. And if that seal had not been broken, they knew that it that was secure and what was in it was so. Not only the seal represented security, the seal represents authentication and approval. So listen to this. When you have the seal of the Holy Spirit, you are an authentic and approved believer. Come on, say, I'm authentic and approved. Come on, look at somebody. This is the real stuff right here. And now listen, you can confidently say that because it's not you that put it on you. God decided to put it on you and nothing you do can remove the seal. So it's for authentication and approval. Also, listen to this. It's a certificate of genuineness. It's a certificate of genuineness when you're talking about your seal. This is the thing. You can be sure that you have, when the Holy Spirit's on the inside of you, you're saying it's genuine. This is the real thing. Uh, I remember years ago, um, I had, before we got married, I had not purchased anything that required a certificate of authenticity (laughs) in my life. You understand what I'm saying? Some of y'all know where I'm going with this. Nothing I had purchased. I said absolutely nothing. When I got married, I purchased something that came with a certificate of authenticity. It was the ring. It was the ring. And so, I'm, you know, I'm new to this. I'm like, what's that? They were like, this is the certificate of authenticity. I said, oh, so, in other words, the gemologist had given an, uh, they had examined this diamond that's in the ring. They had looked at the color, the clarity, and the cut, and said, and the weight to see what it was. And they had certified that this is so. And they said to me, if ever you want to bring this back, we will give you the full value for this because this is the real thing. I was like, what you say? (laughs) And so I had not spent that kind of money. Like I said, nothing I'd purchased ever (laughs) required that. Uh, uh, you know, my, my little watches and stuff couldn't stand up to water. 
And so, uh, so, so when I got that, it was saying that this is the real thing. Now, please understand, when you were born again, the Holy Spirit came to live on the inside of you, and he is the certificate that to, listen to this, to the whole spirit world, that's mine. I'm a child of God. I'm saved. I'm born. Now listen, I don't care where I am. The seal is in me. The seal is on me. You understand? So wherever you are, he's there. And that seal, listen to this, is an identification of ownership. Uh, one of the, one word that's, that, that, um, that we have to understand is earnest. Have you ever heard of that word in the business world, earnest? What do you hear then? Like, uh-huh, earnest. The Holy Spirit is the, like the earnest money. He is the earnest, listen to this, guaranteeing what is to come. So God said, I am so committed to you to let everybody know that you are mine. I want to assure everybody, including you, that you're mine. And so the whole, I'm giving a down payment. The, the down payment is the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Elder Walt, if the down payment is the Holy Spirit, what is the full redemption? Who he is sweet, I know. <laughs> oh, my, my, my. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I just came to encourage you today. When you're talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we understand he does convict the world of sin. He helps us to understand spiritual things, but also he assures us of our salvation. Come on, lift your hands and say, Lord, I thank you that I belong to you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information on other products and materials, please contact us at 770-484-9300, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Or visit our website at www.newcov.org. If you're in the Atlanta area, we invite you to join us for one of our dynamic services. Once again, thank you for receiving the living word of God from New Covenant Christian Ministries, where we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ.